turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to go ahead and begin this morning in 1 Kings chapter 10. And while you're turning there, uh, we've had kind of the whole month of December, kind of the thought of, of Christmas and Christmas music and so forth. And last week was a Christmas message, but it was more along the lines of Easter, I said, because we talked more about uh, that perfect final sacrifice that was made and how what a blessing that is to us, that there's no more sacrifices that have to be made, that Jesus, the Word, became flesh, amen, and dwelt among us, and He came to be the Savior of the world. We're going we're gonna to have more of, I would say, a traditional type of Christmas service or sermon or message today, but it's a strange place to start. We're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. Read that with me, if you would. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Verse 6, and she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Now, this is a Christmas message, but Solomon and his glorious kingdom typified or portrayed, in part, typified and portrayed the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Everything about Solomon's kingdom, kingdom was a kingdom of peace and prosperity and wisdom, the king and the kingdom. The servants were happy. The people were happy. Uh, there was no war during Solomon's time. He wasn't fighting battles like his father David had. And it was a beautiful picture. Now, que the Queen of Sheba had heard about his fame and wisdom. And she said, this can't be true. I I I've got a, one of those you got to show me. I've got to see it for myself. And so imagine a, a queen from another country leaving her country and journeying with a group of people just to check it out, basically to check it out and to see what it was like. And so she left her kingdom and came because she had heard about this kingdom that was just beyond description, this king and his wisdom and the happiness of his servants and the wealth and the throne that he sat upon and the, everything about it was so glorious. She had to go see herself. Now keep that thought in mind and turn with me to Hebrews. It's interesting. This was not planned, but uh, not by me anyway. The Lord had it planned. In Luke chapter 2, Alberto read this passage, but I want us to read in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and we'll read through 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch o'er their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, 
the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And so we see that these weren't the wise men. These were shepherds that this was announced to. But I'm going to call them wise men this morning. I didn't invent this phrase, but I like this phrase, that wise men still seek the Lord today. Amen? Wise men still seek the Lord. We saw the Queen of Sheba seeking out something that was of God that she had heard about. She said, well, I've got to go see. Others might have heard and, and said, that's interesting, that's neat, that's amazing. Tell me what it's like when you get back, Queen. But she said, I'm going to go see myself. These shepherds, when the birth of Jesus Christ was announced to them, they said, let's go quickly and see. We're going to go see for ourselves. An angel just came and talked to us. The heavens opened up and a multitude, how many is a multitude? A multitude of heavenly hosts sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And they announced a Savior being born, the angel did. And they said, we're going to go see this. We're going to ourselves. We're going to leave these sheep out here and we're going to go check out this, this announcement of the birth of the Savior of the world. And so there was a testimony of Christ. The angels, angel testified of Christ. The multitude of the heavenly hosts testified of the Lord. And the Bible says that uh, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners has, has spoken unto our fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, by whom he's made the worlds and who's the heir of all things. And so there's a testimony of Christ. And what I want to... The Lord would have us to talk about this morning. What do we do with that testimony? In other words, there was a testimony of Solomon in another land, okay? And the queen from another land says, remember, this typified Christ in his kingdom. I don't know that she knew that, but she knew he was a servant of Jehovah. Solomon was a servant of Jehovah. She says, I'm going to go and see it myself. And then we see these shepherds. This announcement is made from this heaven, heavenly host. It's supernatural. They're in the pitch black, and the, and the whole light, uh, the whole sky lightens up as though it's noonday. And the angel speaks, and the angels sing, and say, "There's a Savior born, Christ the Lord." And they said, "We're going to go see that. We're going to go see if it's like the angel said. We've got to go see." And I began to think as I was studying and praying this week about the testimony of Christ. What do we do with the testimony of Christ? What do we do when truth is spoken to us? What do we do when the Holy Spirit convicts us? What do we do when a scripture is read that reveals a truth about God or His Word? What do men do? And that is an all-important thing. That is an all-important how we respond to the testimony of Christ. Is it just in one ear and out the other? Are we like those whose ears are dull of hearing and eyes they have shut? Or do we respond by faith to the prompting of the Lord, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of Christ? And I'll say it right at the beginning. There's no short, shortness or lack of the testimony of Christ. And I begin to think, and I just begin to jot some down. This is not an all-exhaustive list. But I begin to think, just at the first coming of the Lord, then we'll move into His life after that. But the first coming of the Lord... There were testimonies. We don't have time to get into all of it, but 
one of the things that testified of Christ's first coming, that birth in the manger that was announced to the shepherds, was the prophets. The prophets foretold. Don't think the Old Testament is boring. Don't think it's insignificant to us. Don't think, well, I'm part of the new covenant in Christ, so that has nothing to do to me. The old, the old covenant, covenant was a picture and bringing forth of the new covenant. The new covenant in Christ, he came out of that old covenant. He's a different priesthood, a better priesthood, but he was the one that was foretold and foreshadowed in that those sacrificial systems in the temple, in the tabernacle, in the brazen altar, in the mercy seat with the cherubims and their wings touching, in the candlestick uh, with, the, with the lights and so forth, in the showbread. It all pictured Christ and his coming. Amen. And so the prophets foretold, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, Micah 5, 2, fulfilled, we read it in Matthew chapter 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Listen, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. His going forth, it's a mystery we, that, that Christ is, was born at a specific time. He became man and God incarnate in the flesh at a very specific moment. That's what the shepherds were going to see, that moment. But he was God from everlasting, and he's the son of God forevermore and the savior of the world. But the prophets foretold, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Both of these prophets, Micah and Isaiah, about 750 years before that first coming. That when you let these numbers sink in, when you think of our country, it's it's not even 250 years old. Okay, 750 years before Jesus came, were these prophets, Micah and Isaiah and many others. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign: Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. It's going to happen. Guess what? It happened exactly like the Lord said. Exactly like the Lord said. So the prophets foretold, rising up early. The Lord sent his prophets, rising up early, professing and proclaiming that a Savior was coming, turn it, uh, seeking to turn men back to God. So that's a testimony for Jesus. Amen? The prophecies of old. The angels on this day that we read in Luke chapter 2, they testified of the Lord, right? They announced and proclaimed to the shepherds the birth of a Savior. The shepherds, it's interesting, once they went to see, they had a testimony. Look at verse 17 if you're still in Luke 2. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. What is it? It's just a testimony. It's another announcement. It's another, I'm bearing witness, I'm bearing record. Okay? The prophets foretold, the angel said he's here. The shepherds went to see, they went to tell other people, yeah, he's really here. Everyone is a testimony. It's an announcement. The Holy Ghost revealed Christ's birth to a man named Simeon, who was an older man, that, and by the Holy Ghost led him to the temple, the Bible says, to see the baby Jesus, who was eight, years old, eight days old at the time, who was going to be circumcised and dedicated in the temple. Simeon, after he held the baby, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that this was the Christ, he got to hold him. And he prophesied and testified. This child is set for the rising and falling again and to turn many uh, to the Lord. And he prophesied. So there's a testimony. Uh, a miraculous star testified of the birth of Jesus. That star was no normal star. 
That was a miraculous star. It says in Numbers 24, you don't have to turn there. There shall come a star, capital S, it says, out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And so this star guided these wise men that came from the east. And I want you to read it. Well, I'll just read it here from Matthew chapter 2, saying, he, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. This is when they came into Jerusalem. In the east and are come to worship him. That star testified of the Lord. Who but the Lord could do that? Take a star, and I don't even understand it. People can say, oh, it was like this, it was like that. But I know that God used this star and that prophecy in the Old Testament that there would be a star, and these wise men had gotten a hold of that prophecy at some point. They believed it, and guess what they did? They didn't say, that's interesting. Oh, there's the star over there. They said, that's interesting. There's the star over there, and we're going to go see it. We're going to go see. This is too big of news. This is too big a deal. This is a savior of the world. We're going to go see. And it says, I'll keep reading from Matthew chapter 2. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, that's supernatural to me. You could say, well, it just was in that general direction, but it led them to a specific spot. You know what I mean? You can look up in the, star, the sky tonight. If it's clear, we'll see stars, some brighter than others, and it might be east of us or look like it's west of us, and we can go that direction. It's not going to lead you to a spot. It's not going to lead you to a home, but it, 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 it led them to where the young child was, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the star testified. The Holy Spirit continues uh, to testify of the Lord even today. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. These things are very clear. The Bible speaks of Christ. The whole Bible is, shows the fall of man and the need of a Savior because of sin, the sinfulness of mankind, our inability to save ourselves, justify ourselves, cleanse ourselves, and the great need we have for a Savior. And guess what? This is the Savior. Everything's pointing to Jesus. It pointed to his first coming. Everything now, the Holy Ghost still testifies of his first coming and, and of his presence here with us today. Uh, the John the Baptist testified when he was baptizing in the Jordan River and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He didn't say he's another prophet. He didn't say he's going to be a wonderful man or even a king. He says he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, let it sink in for a second. Who can take away the sins of the world? The Pharisees got this part right when they said, who can forgive sins but God? When Jesus said to the lame man who was healed, and he says, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. They murmured within themselves and said, who can forgive sins but God? Only God can. But Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus said, you sent unto John the Baptist and he bear witness unto the truth. John the Baptist, when he was questioned, we heard it in Sunday school this morning. John the Baptist was questioned. He's out there baptizing people in the Jordan River. 
for the repentance of sins and to prepare their hearts to what? Seek the Lord. Like the queen of Sheba, like the wise men, like the shepherd, prepare your heart to seek the Lord. And they say, well, who are you? Are you that prophet? And he goes, I'm not that prophet. I'm not that prophet. That prophet was Jesus, okay? And I, he says, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Testimonies for Christ. What does testimony mean? The word testimony means to, to bear record. It means to be a witness. It means to give evidence. It means to give an honest report. All of these did. The prophets, okay? The, the Holy Ghost, certainly. John the Baptist, Simeon, the, the shepherds when they spread abroad. And the, the apostles bear witness. I'll read this. First uh, John four fourteen. We have seen, John says, and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You can almost get tired of it. There's so many, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of who and what testifies of Christ being Christ the Lord. Acts four thirty three. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the re resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You know who else gave testimony of Christ being the Son of God? The Father. The Father gave testimony. I want to read this. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. Amen. The Scriptures testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just the prophecies. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of who? Me. The scriptures testify of me. Again, so if you'll hear people, and it's, it's a popular trend, not through in every church, hallelujah, but in some churches, to discount the Old Testament, do away with the Old Testament, mock the Old Testament, ridicule the Old Testament. Um, we have nothing to do with the Old Testament. It's like cursed, and yet it's not. It's blessed. Jesus says, search, search the scriptures. You know, we delight in the Word of God. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, you do greatly err, not knowing the Scriptures. We're told to study or show ourselves approved. Most of the New Testament wasn't even written at the time that, that we're told to study the Scriptures. Amen? And that's how a man is strengthened and, and come, comes to salvation and, and built up in Christ. So the Scriptures testify of Christ. And y'all, finally, well, not finally, the works that Jesus did, the miracles that he did. Amen. He says, I have a greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father has sent me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So the miracles that Jesus did. He did miracles. God used other men in the past to do miracles, but nobody did miracles like Jesus. Nobody did miracles like Jesus. Uh, it's written at the end of the book of John that uh, if all of the acts and, and the glorious works that Jesus did had been recorded, he, he goes, I suppose the world could not contain the books that would be written. I mean, he just surpassed them all. Amen. He says, they testify that I am the I am, that I am the Savior of the world. And finally, I'll mention that what other testimony Christ has, Christ testified of himself. 
Christ testified of himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, uh, on and on, he says, if you, not, if you believe not that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. He said, before Abraham was, I am. They picked up stones to kill him because he being a man in their minds claimed to be God, which he was not. They said he was not. He was. And I'll, close, I'll give one more. Christ testifying at the end of the book of Revelation. Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Hallelujah. Don't say he never claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. He was God. He was God before he became incarnate. He was every bit God when he became a man and died for our sins and rose again. And he's every bit God going forward for eternity forward. And he absolutely claimed to be. Amen. He testified. He bare, bore record of himself. Amen. But now let's get to the point of the message today. There's no lack or short coming on God's part of testifying of Christ. The testimony of Christ, the, the, the announcement, the proclamation. The Bible says the word of God is sounding out. It means to be published. God's word is sounding out. You ever been offshore and you hear those, you know, where an oil rig is? Maybe it's dark or maybe it's cloudy and you're foggy and you can't see. And these oil rigs out there at the, uh, or maybe some lighthouse or some kind of beacon at the mouth of the river going out to the Gulf. And you can hear these things, boop, and it's sounding out. Well, the word of God is sounding out. Amen. There's a testimony of Christ going forth, and the Holy Ghost is watching over it to make sure it rightly ref reflects it's a true testimony of Christ. But what a man does with that testimony is everything. What a man, a woman, a young person, an individual, whether we've gotten a lot of light given to us or a, a minimal, minimal amount of light, when we're given light, when I say light, I mean spiritual light, spiritual truth, spiritual revelation from the Lord, what a man does with that is everything. Take heed how you hear, Jesus said, to whom is given uh, much more is going to be given to whom it uh, like he doesn't hear is going to be taken away even from him what he seemeth to have. We have to take heed how we hear in this church. We're blessed, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's somebody open in prayer on a Sunday night, whether it's the, the messages from the pulpit, the teachings on Wednesday night from the pulpit. We are blessed to have a great revelation from the Lord, the truth, the simple, unadulterated truth. I'm so thankful for it. But you and I need to take heed how we hear that, not to be forgetful hearers, because we're blessed. We're blessed because God's blessed, because he, we don't need to add to it or subtract from it. The Bible's just fine. It's just fine to do what it needs to do. Put the Holy Ghost on top of that to bear that witness to our hearts and convict us and reveal to us. We need to take heed. A wise man, the, to me, the, the thought is a wise man versus a foolish man. What do we do with that testimony of Christ? A wise man versus an unwise man. Amen. Um, what do we do with the testimony of Christ? A seeker versus a non-seeker. Okay. A seeker versus a non-seeker. And uh, the, the Lord is, is speaking to us. He's 
he's, what do we do with that? There's a hearer of truth versus those who refuse to hear. A hearer of truth versus those who harden their hearts and will not hear. You know, there are people like that. It's not that they can't hear. It's not that they can't see. It's not that they can't believe. It's that they won't. They won't. When Christ speaks to them through the word and through nature and through their own conscience and through the Holy Ghost, he's revealing that he is God, that he's the one true living God, that he's a creator. And then the Bible makes it more specific. Christ is, is the Lord, you know, and Jesus was his name and he died 2000 years ago for our sins. And all of this is given to us. And people say, I don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that. It's not that they cannot not poor, pitiful them. They can't believe. If only they could believe. They can believe. They choose not to believe. The Hebrews makes it very clear and says, take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That's an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. They could believe. All the Jews that were in the wilderness with Moses and Joshua, they could have believed, but they didn't. They said, let's make a golden calf. Here's the God that brought us out. They knew it wasn't the God that brought them out. They made it with their own hands and bowed down and worshipped it. They chose not to believe. They all died in the wilderness, not because they couldn't believe, because somehow that God had hidden himself and veiled himself in such a way that they couldn't see. He's no respecter of persons. Amen? Same God that revealed himself to Moses and same God revealed himself to, to Joshua and, and you and me revealed himself to them and they chose not to believe. So don't it's a wise man versus a foolish man. The Bible says, Paul said on Mars Hill to a bunch of philosophers, unbelieving, idolatrous philosophers on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece. And he's speaking to a whole group of them and says, if happily you might seek after him and find him. He want, God wants us to seek him. He wants men to seek him. There's the seekers versus the non-seekers. There's those that I said that have hardened their hearts. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. That always sticks out to me. If you think, well, okay, something's happened to them out of their control to where they cannot believe the truth of Jesus Christ or the truth of God's word. No. It says their ears are dull of hearing. They're human beings. They have a choice to make. Aren't you glad God gives us a choice? Their ears are dull of hearing. Simeon's eyes weren't, uh, ears weren't dull of hearing. Where they? We, read, we mentioned Simeon. Anna the prophetess, she was waiting for the consolation, you know, to, to see uh, the, the Savior come in the temple, fasting day and night, living there, waiting. It says, uh, Jesus said, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. He wants to do all those things. I want them to see. I want them to hear. I want them to understand. I want them to be converted. I want them to be healed of their sin. I want to do that for them. And they would not. Amen? They would not. So there are those that uh, receive the witness of Christ. There are men and women and young people to this day. It's no different. Men who will allow the Holy Ghost to reveal truth to them. And the, and the witness of Christ to them and men who will stubbornly resist the conviction or the revelation of the Holy Spirit. God does not usurp that free will. That's one thing we have that he's given us that is 
he's saying, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. I don't believe in the doctrine. I don't believe in the doctrine of pre-election and destination when it comes to salvation. God predestines many things. He predestines nations and he's predestined Israel to whether they serve him or not. He's got a plan for Israel. He's predestined everybody that does give their life to Christ to be conformed to the image of his son. He's predestined angels to this estate or that estate. He's predestined a lot of things, things, but he doesn't predestinate an individual's eternal salvation. You will be damned even if you don't want to be. You will be saved even if you don't want to be. You have no choice. That is not what's taught in the Bible. God says, who will, the, the second Timothy, I believe, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance and on and on. And so, but there are men who, when the Holy Spirit re- reveals that much light to them, like a little candle flicker, they say, I want to see what that little candle flicker is. I feel something stirring in my heart about God, about eternity, about sin, about my accountability to God. Don't know names, dates, places, nothing. There's just a little light being given to them. And, and they begin to respond to that. Guess what? The light will increase. God will increase the light, and he can do it very quickly. He can bring them from zero to 100 miles an hour in no time. He's able to do it, and he desires to do it. But there are those that resist. Stephen, preaching the last one and only sermon because he was martyred at the end of this sermon, He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Did they have to resist the Holy Ghost? He was preaching the gospel of salvation to them at the time. They didn't have to resist it. On the day of Pentecost, uh, 3,000 were saved. A few days later at the temple gate, 5,000 people, Jews, were saved. These particular group that Stephen was speaking to resisted the Holy Ghost. And they picked up stones and they stoned him. And the Lord took the man home to be safe with with him. Isaiah 9 says, For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. He holds us accountable for seeking after him or not. It has to be in response. He's got to take the initiative, okay? But can I tell you that he does? We, we mentioned, what, 10 or 12 different testimonies of Christ, uh, eternal testimonies of Christ that are going out in the world. But humble and sincere, honest seekers. You know, people like to talk big. They like to talk like they're so spiritual. I'm a seeker. I'm going to seek God in yoga. I'm going to seek God in new age and mysticism. And I'm going to go back to the, uh, the church fathers. I'm going to go to the mystics. And like, that there's, like that's to be honored and a wonderful thing. No, go to God. Go to the Bible. Seek him like he says to seek him in the word of God. But honest seekers who will respond to the prompting and revelation of the Holy Spirit, the testimony of Christ in the eternal word of God, men who will search the scriptures because we're told to, right? Search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They testify of me. Search them. He wants us to search them. Don't search some latest, greatest Christian book by some guru that sits up on a a mountaintop or in the deserts in New Mexico. Open your Bible. Open your Bible and read it. And then whether you like it or not, 
It's the truth. Receive it. Because if you receive it, he'll reveal more truth to you. And I promise you'll begin to like, not only like it, love it. And you'll love the one that's revealed. And you'll be so glad that you were saved. And you're so glad you're through with all the foolishness. And you found, you found the one that, that has come. Come and see. Men, honest seekers who will search the scriptures. Honest seekers who will come and see. Honest seekers who will seek to know and, and, to, and to be taught with a humble spirit. God's going to speak to them. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to me. Sincere seekers responding by faith to the revelation of Jesus Christ by the word of God and by the Holy Ghost. That's the one we respond to. By the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That revelation of Christ, responding to that. And the person that does that is not following cunningly devised fables, as Peter puts it, but a more sure word of prophecy. I want you to look with me in your Bibles. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 45 and 46, then we'll skip down. John 1, 45. And Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Come see. Let's not just talk about it. He's right over here. Come see. Come see. So whatever thoughts Nathanael had, he had enough response to the revelation just of Philip. We found the one that the prophets foretold. Jesus of Nazareth, we found him. Really? At Nazareth? Nothing good can come out of there. Come and see. He could have said, no, I don't feel like it. I, I got to be to work, work in five minutes. He could have said a lot of different things. Verse 49, Nathaniel, when he came, he went to see, and Nathaniel answered Jesus and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel, like that. Going from, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The little bit of light he was given, he responded to that. And within literally a few minutes, he's confessing his Lord and Savior. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. And Jesus says, oh, you better put on your seatbelt. If you think that's exciting, he says, Jesus answered, because I said unto to thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Wow. How did this happen? It happened because he responded to the testimony of Christ that was given him. It's everything how we respond to the Lord. Amen. And so uh, it's not that such a man like Nathaniel or Simeon or Anna or the shepherds or any of it, it's not that such a man is wise in themselves, but I would say all are wise that will seek after the Lord. All are wise that when God speaks to our hearts and reveals a measure of truth to us, we respond. We respond and say, yes, Lord, and then we'll be given more light. Amen. Again, I'm talking about as God reveals 
when, when Moses was a shepherd for 40 years in a deserts of Midian, one day, just a typical day, he's out there taking care of the sheep. Typical countryside, everything he was used to seeing. But on one particular day, there's a bush burning. And the bush is burning, and he kind of watches it to see this bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. We're going to have to do a bonfire out here tonight, and I promise you, if the thing lights, if it's not too wet, it's going to be consumed, and we'll have to throw more fuel on it. If it's still going full bore a week from now, something's up, okay? But he says this thing's, and guess what Moses did when he saw that? It was God's presence, right? We know it was. He didn't know that at first, but whatever revelation that was to him, Okay, I've watched bushes burn before, but this one's burning and it's not being consumed. It's the bush is still intact. It's still there. And I've been watching it for a good while. But what does he say? I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to go see. And the Bible tells us that Moses took time to turn. Wait, this is not normal. I'm going to go see. And when he did, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. He met the Lord right there. Not that he didn't know him before, but this was a new revelation of the Lord. He met the Lord, and, and he, he begins to speak to him, and his life is transformed from that moment forward. And so, y'all, we have to take that time to seek the Lord. God, in his great mercy, is seeking to save lost men, right? He is seeking to save men. He wants men to come to Christ, to put their faith and trust in him, to believe the gospel, to, to receive new life and forgiveness of sins. I don't know, for example, those shepherds, we, we're told nothing about their spiritual state at that moment. We know they were shepherds, and they were taking care of sheep at night because that's what shepherds do. Morning, noon, and night, somebody's got to be watching the sheep. So they're out there watching sheep. We don't know anything about their spiritual state. But we do know this, when an angel told him the Savior was born in Bethlehem and a, a heavens opened up and an angelic choir sang and announced his birth, they did the right thing. We're going to go see. We're going to see this. And so then they spread the news abroad. Amen. And so the Holy Ghost is testifying that Christ is Lord. Now, I'll, I'm going to bring bringing this to a close. Men on their own. I will say this, and it's biblical, okay? Men on their own certainly do not seek after God, just left on their own. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. That's Old Testament and quoted again in Romans. There's none that seeks after God. So we're not talking about the fact that that is the state of man. We're talking about what do we do when God reveals himself to us through the word of God, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through nature, through the prophecies, through another believer who shares the truth. What do we do then? Then it becomes our responsibility to respond. Nobody on their own initiative, just without any testimony of the Lord, is going to go seek after God. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. So God is seeking after men. He came to seek and save the lost. He is coming and knocking on the hearts, doors of men's hearts every day. And people that are saved and maybe backslidden, he's trying to bring them back. People that are saved and grown a little cold and they don't have the fire that they once have. He's knock, knocking on your heart. 
in my heart trying to stir us up. What do we do in response to that? Amen? Like the shepherds did. They said, we're going to go see. And so uh, what do we do when God's revealing himself? Some men will resist the truth, as we've said. Some men will resist the testimony of Christ. Some men will resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to be convicted. Our churches in our country, probably around the world, but in our country, many, not, it's not a blanket condemnation, many of our churches are filled with people that want to be in the church that they're in because they're not convicted. They leave feeling good. Like they watched a good ball game or heard a good song. And that's all they want. But put me where I'm going to be convicted because if I'm convicted, I can repent by the goodness of God. If I repent, I can be forgiven. If I'm forgiven, I can be reconciled to God and walk closely to the Lord. Put me where I'm convicted, not condemned, convicted by the Holy Ghost and by the Word of God. Some men resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some men rebel against truth. Some men choose their sin instead of the truth. Some men love their sin instead of the truth. Jesus appealed, uh, wept over Jerusalem and said, how often I would have gathered you together and you would not. John 3, 19 says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. That's Jesus, right? Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There are those that just choose. They, I want my sin. I want my darkness. Get that our country as a whole is doing that. Not every individual, but our country as a whole wants nothing to do with God in our schools, in the public arena, in the workplace, nothing to do with God at all. Some men choose their sin. Some men are too busy right now like to, to take time to, to seek after the Lord. God's speaking to them. God's revealing something to them. God sent a friend at work to witness to them. They're just too busy right now. Some men are too busy, but the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Not tomorrow, now. Now is the time of salvation. When you're hearing the gospel and the Lord's pricking your heart and convicting you of sin, and for the first time in your life you begin to think about God and eternity and Jesus Christ and the resurrection, that's when you give your life to Christ. Don't be too busy for, to, to, to stop and consider. Some men are too busy. Some men are too successful in life. And don't want to give it up what they think they have. Although it's all going to be burnt up, the Bible tells us. They don't want to give it up. They're going to lose it anyway. Some are too busy to come and see, like Nathaniel did go see. Some are too lazy to seek after God. Some Christians are too lazy to continue to pursue a deeper walk with the Lord. But our, our God says in His Word that He is... And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This whole message today is not about you on your own initiative seeking after God. It is about whatever revelation we've received from the Lord. And we've received a lot from the scriptures, from the Holy Ghost, from our conscience, from nature, from other believers. We've received a lot of te- What do we do in response to that? Jeremiah said in Lamentations, the Lord is good unto them that wait upon him. To the soul that seeketh him. He's good to those that do. Amen. David said, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, I said, no way. Is that what it says? When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. 
I'm going to seek you. God's prompting, seek my face, David. Lord, my heart is saying yes. My flesh might be too, wants to stay in the bed and not get out, but my heart is saying, I'm going to seek you, Lord. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to close with this. In her seeking, we open with queen of, the Queen of Sheba. In her seeking out King Solomon to hear of, see for herself if it was true. The Queen of Sheba brought gifts to King Solomon. But when she left, she left with so much more. She left with so much more. When you seek God, he not only is he, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Just listen to this. 1 Kings 10, 13. This was later in the story of the Queen of Sheba. And King Solomon gave unto the Queen of Sheba all her desire. And that's something. She brought some gifts and spices and things like that. It was amazing, wonderful gifts she brought the king. But when she left... After having sought out this king, remember he typifies Christ and just in this sense in his kingdom. King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire whatsoever she asked. Beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Amen. I'll close with this. D, you can come. The, the Lord said in Deuteronomy 12. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and there shalt thou come. He was speaking about the Old Testament, the tabernacle where he chose to put his name and the ark and so forth. And that's where he wanted the Israelites to come and to worship because his presence would be manifest there. He goes, where his habitation is, that's where you should seek. And y'all, I, I thought about this, that Christ is that habitation of the Lord now. We can seek to Christ. That's, that's where the Lord has chosen. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear him. Y'all stand with me this morning. That Christ is that mercy seat. And, and y'all, what do we do? Think about it. What do you do when God prompts you? What do you do when the Holy Spirit convicts you? Don't resist the truth. Don't resist the Holy Ghost. Don't be too busy to turn aside to, to meet with the Lord. Seek Him. Seek Him. He is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's going to bless you there. He's going to meet with you there. He's going to meet with you there every time. That place is not necessarily a physical place. It's meeting in Christ. It's coming in the name of Jesus. Amen. These altars are open. Let's seek the Lord this morning for a few minutes before we go. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we know that on our own there's none that understands. On our own there's none that seeks after God. But, Lord, you've come seeking the lost, and you're seeking the saved as well to draw us closer to you. Lord, we want to respond with an amen in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, and say, yes, Lord, I want to come. The wise men searched out the, the baby Jesus. The shepherds went to see that if the report of the angels was true, and, and they found Jesus there, the baby. Simeon was led by the Holy Ghost and went and picked up Jesus in his own arms. Lord, we want to respond. We believe that you are 
and that you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. Help us to seek you. Help us to be a people that seeks you and finds you and a people that testifies to others. Come and see. Like Philip found Nathaniel and said, come and see. Let us be those that bring men to Christ and say, come and see. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.